welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We're talking about the little foxes, Songs of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says in Songs of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15, say, catch us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Say, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Solomon had this special relationship with this Shunammite woman. Out of the several women Solomon had, he just had this one, this special woman that he just defers to, he loves her mightily. And of course, he was telling her that, look, we have to deal with some little, little issues in our relationship. Many times, it's the small angels that just sway the door. Many times, it's not the big things. What messes up relationships at times are the little, little things that we don't pay attention to. Because they are seemingly little, we don't pay attention to them. But they can be very devastating. So Solomon was saying that we have to catch the little foxes because our vine is tender. Our vine has tender grapes. For us to produce well, for us to have the required results, we have to deal with the little, little, little issues. And I'm sure you know, in that Songs of Solomon, the picture of Solomon and the Shunammite woman is a picture of the church and Christ. So also, what actually messes up our relationship sometimes with God is just little, little things that we don't pay attention to. And because they are seemingly little, we overlook them. We overlook them, but they are mighty things. So we'll be talking about the little foxes. As we become aware of them and we begin to deal with them, we will see better results in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer you will see better results in your work with the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer God will come through for you. It's my prayer you experience God in a more intimate manner in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer you have God experiences. When you have God experiences, nobody can deceive you anymore. David had God experiences. So by the time he confronted a big challenge, he recalled how God showed up for him and that propelled him to go forward. It's my prayer this season you have God experiences. You have divine encounters that will totally transform you in the mighty name of Jesus. And those areas of your struggle, I speak grace to those areas. Those areas of your struggle, grace will overcome for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, your weaknesses will turn to strength. In the mighty name of Jesus. The little foxes are blind spots of a believer. Believe me, all of us, we have blind spots. A blind spot is that part of you that you cannot see. But God will shine light to those blind spots and we will do well to deal with them. Little foxes are irritations that have the potential to ruin the vine. They are irritations that have potential to ruin the vine. They can mess up your relationship with your spouse, with your loved ones, with God. They are little, little foxes, but they can do a lot of damage. And you know, these little foxes are not big sins. <laughs> Amen. You know, those big sins, many times when you commit the big sins, you violate the law of God, you also violate the law of man. When you murder, you violate God's law, you also violate the law of man. So when you murder and you get caught, you go to jail. That's a big deal. When you defraud, when you cheat, you violate the law of man, you also violate the law of God. When you commit adultery, you violate the law of God, you also violate the law of man. So these little, little sins at times, you are not violating any law of man. 
Being proud doesn't violate any law of man. Being envious doesn't violate any law of man. Being greedy or being covetous doesn't violate any law of man. So that was why many times we don't pay attention to them. When you commit the big sin, you know you're a sinner. You know you're in trouble. But these little, little things, many times we overlook them because most times they don't violate the law of men in most cases. They are weeds. Little foxes are weeds. If you allow them to grow, they will choke the good seeds in your heart. Little foxes are weeds. If you allow them to grow, they will mess up the good seed. Many times you see farmers after they plant, they will go and weed. Because if you don't weed out the weeds, they will be also be sapping nutrients from the soil. And what is meant to go to the good seed will be diverted. Over time, so you won't have a best yield because something is competing with the good seed. But when you begin to weed out the weeds, what happens? The nutrients can flow to the good seeds and then you have a bump harvest. Is my prayer in your life you have a bump harvest? You have wonderful results to show in the mighty name of Jesus. Little foxes are eating sins of the hearts. Nobody can tell what you are thinking, but God can tell. You know, they are eating sins of the heart. They operate mostly in the thought realm, but they are nevertheless quite devastating. We spoke about envy. We spoke about pride. You know, these are sins of the heart. Where you commit them, you don't violate any law of man. The dictionary says that envy is a feeling of discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. There's nothing wrong in admiring your neighbor. There's nothing wrong in admiring maybe what your neighbor have. But when you now begin to feel ill, when you now begin to nurse bitter thoughts, to nurse bad thoughts towards your neighbor because your neighbor is seemingly doing well and you are not having the results he or she is having, and you begin to wish the person bad, you begin to harbor those thoughts, envious thoughts, it is very dangerous. It is a weed. Envy, if it's not dealt with, it will open the door to murder, it will open the door to character assassination. It will open the door to several other sins. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 16, James 3, 16, that where you have envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Everywhere you see envy in oppression and strife, there is every evil work there. Nothing will be missing. Are you rejoicing when somebody else is rejoicing? That's a litmus test. Or are you sad when somebody is rejoicing around you? Some people are sad when somebody is rejoicing. That's a very bad heart. That's an envious heart. And you have to deal with it. Little foxes is a matter of the heart. These are things that you cannot see. You can be envious and cover it so well. And the person you are actually envying doesn't even know. You can be envious and camouflage it so well. The person doesn't know. And that, if it's not dealt with, it will affect your relationship with God. It will make you degenerate it can lead to big sins and it can make you unacceptable before God. It's my prayer you will not be unacceptable before God. God will embrace you and he will honor you mightily in Jesus' mighty name. Another little fox is pride. The Bible says before the structure comes, a man's heart will go empty. Before the structure, the heart of a man is proud. Proverbs 18.12 And before honor is humility. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So pride is very subtle. Evil proud people think they are humble. That's the irony of pride. This one is deadly. Because even proud people think they are humble. That's the irony of it. And the Bible says, God opposes the proud. 
It doesn't even come close to the proud. As a matter of fact, Psalm 138 verse 6, Psalm 138 verse 6, said, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from far. When man is opposing you, you can cry to God and God will deliver you. When Satan is opposing you, you can get him out of the road. But when God himself is the one opposing you, then you're in big trouble. And the Bible says God opposes the proud. It was this same sin that made Lucifer lose his place. He was the one in charge of music in heaven. And the Bible says he said in his heart, I will ascend to the throne of God. I will make my own throne above his own throne. He was saying it in his heart. He didn't voice it. And he lost his place. So pride is a matter of the heart. Very subtle. God doesn't like it. There are some things that God doesn't like. Proverbs chapter 6, you will see there. A proud look is one of them. Proverbs 6 and 16 to 19. Seven things God doesn't like. He doesn't like a proud look. So pride is a very major issue. Uh, yes, all of us have self-pride. But pride is something you have to deal with regularly. When you start feeling superior, when you think you are better than your neighbor, that's a clear sign of pride. You look at yourself and you compare yourself. Ah, this one is not even up to me. Because you have a few things, you know, yeah, this one is below me. When you start feeling you are superior to your neighbor, that is a clear state of pride. Proud people never ignore insults. Proud people are always fighting. Very irritable. Because they can't ignore insults, they are very irritable. Proud will make you think you are right when you are actually wrong. Proud people find it difficult to say sorry and to apologize. Proud people never, I mean, they find it difficult to apologize. If you find it difficult to apologize, you're a proud person. Even when you have done wrong, or you know you've done wrong, to say, please, I'm sorry, and you don't do it, that is pride. Many become proud when they begin to ascend the ladder of earthly achievements. Many, not a few. When people begin to do well in life, they have more money, they have more status, more position, they now begin to look down on other people. They feel superior. Not knowing that whatever thing you have is given to you by God. Never you forget that. Whatever thing you have, whatever thing you have, whatever thing you become in life, it is God. The intelligence that you brag about is God. Whatever thing you have, your children that you brag about, it is God. So whatever thing that makes you think, whatever thing you are proud of in your life, it is given to you from heaven. So you have no reason at all to be proud about it. When you always look down other people, that means you are proud. Two prideful people in marriage will always end in divorce. Because proud people find it difficult to submit. They don't submit to authority. With pride, is always I, me, and myself. Proud people don't care about anybody else except themselves. That's very bad. Proud people find it very difficult to serve. They would rather be served. When proud people are not giving due recognition, they get very angry. Pride can take you away from your place of destiny. So, Pride can easily transplant somebody to a place that is not God-ordained. Because proud people are not patient. They can't be. They are not patient. Pride. God can't touch a proud person from far. And you see, pride is a characteristic feature of Satan and his gods. One of the dominant qualities of God is humility. It's amazing. Those who are proud, God opposes them. It's my prayer God to help us deal with the little forks of pride in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Pride will not take us to hell in the mighty name of Jesus. God cannot help those who are proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He cannot help those who are proud. Those who are proud will not repent of their sins because they are stiff-necked. They are set in their own ways. They are cast in stone. That will not be your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus, God will help you. He will also help me. Another little fox we want to talk about today is discouragement. And this is also quite big. Discouragement is a loss of confidence 
is a loss of enthusiasm. It's being dispirited. When you are discouraged, you are dispirited. When you are discouraged, you don't want to go home. When you are discouraged, you are sad, you are melancholy. When you are discouraged, you lose zest for life. And it's very, very common. Even men of God in the Bible, God will show you mere man. He will show you a man who is weak and who overcame his weaknesses. The Bible doesn't hold back. It tells you as it is. So discouragement was very rife in the Bible. Elijah was discouraged at some point in time. John the Baptist was discouraged. Even the big apostle Paul was discouraged. Even Jesus himself, when he was about to go to the cross, and the reality of the cross dawned on him, he was discouraged. So discouragement is very common temptation to man. It's very common. But the challenge now is that you don't want to remain in the valley of despair. Some people remain in that valley never coming up. That was why David said, look, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Say, open God. The issue is not so much not being discouraged. Because you are human, because we are afraid, because we are in this fallen world, yes, we will be discouraged at some point in time, but we don't remain there. Because we have a God who is above all. We have a God we are looking up to. And many times when you are discouraged, God is telling you, pray some more. Study the Bible some more. Do some more spiritual exercises. That's what he's telling you. Many times. You know, many times. So, Elijah was so discouraged, he thought about committing suicide. First Kings chapter 19, verse 2 to 4. First Kings 19, 2 to 4. A man of God, single-heartedly, he overcame 450 prophets of Baal. This guy actually made the whole country stand still. That was how powerful he was. He was able to call fire down from heaven. That was how wonderful this guy was. But after all those exploits, one woman, Jezebel, just sent a message to him that just like you killed those prophets of Baal, I will also come for your head. I will also kill you. And this man of God ran. He ran. Just to a tress of a witch. He ran. He ran. He kept on running. He got to a place. He was tired. He was fatigued. He sat under the juniper tree. was complaining. Lord, I'm not better than my fathers. I don't want to do anymore. Just kill me. And God still encouraged him. Sent him ravens to feed him. You know, he fed him morning, fed him in the evening. He was trying to encourage him. But this guy actually got to a point where he became so dispirited because he was alone. One way to find discouragement is to look for supports. We come to church because we need supports. So if you're a lone ranger in life, you'll be very discouraged. If you're a lone ranger, you don't want people in your business, you don't want people in your matter. Even family matters, it's always you. Ah, you'll be discouraged. Because the Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. Say woe to the man who is alone when he falls. And as a man, you will fall. But you need someone to help you up. So what's your support system? Do you have a support system? Or is it people that don't believe in your God that is your support system? Bible says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Whose counsel do you walk in? Say, blessed is the man that does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Which seat do you sit in? So who are your counselors? What's your support system? So this guy, Elijah, he was alone. When he was fighting, he was alone. Under the juniper tree, he was alone. He even said, look, I'm alone. I'm the only prophet in Israel. God said, no, be careful. You're not the only one. I have several others who have not bowed their knees to bow. So being alone can be very dangerous. Somebody said, aloneness is not equal to loneliness. In other words, you can be alone. It doesn't mean you have to be lonely. Aloneness is not equal to loneliness. You can be alone and have a private relationship with God, which is why it still boils down to you knowing your spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You have to learn to nourish your soul. You have to learn to feed your soul. Nobody will do it for you. 
David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because these days, somehow, there's so much despair in the land. There's so much hopelessness. But we should not be caught in the bog. It's for Satan and his people to be hopeless. Bible says, if only in this world we have hope in Christ, we have one most miserable. So because you are not married at 25, you are not hopeless. You are not hopeless. Jesus went to the cross to renew your hope. Because you don't have the car of your dream yet. You are not behaving as if God doesn't exist. For God's sake. Our hope transcends time and goes into eternity. Three things we endure. Faith, love, and hope. So this hope that we have in Christ is a living hope. Our hope is not dead. Our hope is not just on cars and marriage and possessions alone. No! <laughs> Our hope is heaven. It's eternal life. Because even in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul was discouraged. You can see discouragement in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But somehow he overcame it. So even though I'm heart-pressed, I will not be crushed. Even though life presses me, I will not be crushed. I mean, Paul was knocked down, but he can't be knocked out. You can be knocked down, but that doesn't mean you are out. You are still in the fight. Still continue the race. He said, look, I'm persecuted. I'm not forsaken. They death a big blow on him. They beat him with rods. This guy was dead with. So I'm persecuted. I'm not forsaken. So I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. He said, look, I will keep on going on. Because as they deal with my mortal body, my spirit man is daily being renewed. Is daily being renewed. So, this issue of you nourishing your soul, this issue of you having a quiet time, this issue of you feeding your soul regularly is your business. Yes, it's okay, you can be discouraged, but when discouraged now becomes your lifestyle, ah, you haven't seen Christ. Because one thing that Christ will do for you is to renew your hope, is to rekindle your hope. The Bible says, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we have hope. Through patience and comfort, we have hope. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God gave us precious promises to renew our hope. If you keep on seeing those promises, it's a matter of time. They will come to pass in your life. So, we overcome discouragement. We don't live in the valley of discouragement. We don't stay there. No, 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 no. We don't remain there. Yes, we can just pass through. Occasionally, we pass through, but we don't make it our dwelling. It's my prayer God will encourage you. It will answer your prayers. The Bible says truly that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire is granted, it's like a tree of life. God knows. He knows that when your hope is deferred, yes, you become sick. You faint in your heart. But when desire is granted, it's like a tree of life. I prophesy that God will grant your desires. God himself will nourish your soul. It will make you happy. It will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Say, before now you have asked me for nothing. Say, but ask that you may receive so that your joy might be full. God wants your joy to be full. So you are passing through discouragement. And that's the time to pray better. That's the time to come for night vigil. That's the time to come for midweek service. That's the time never to miss church. Because you are going through a season. But you have to be careful not to allow that season to overwhelm you. You know, discouragement is like a cloud of darkness. Where you have a cloud of darkness opening around you, you need to dispel it. You know, that's what depression is all about. It's darkness, you know, trying to overwhelm. But with the word of God, with encouragement from your support system, with love and prayers, you will come out of it. It's not our portion to be discouraged. Because discouraged will not make you, it will stifle the life in you. It will stifle intimacy with God. Elijah said, I'm not going anymore. I want to die. 
After all those exploits, he cut short his ministry. Discouragement can make one cut short his life. <laughs> People who commit suicide, that's cutting short their life. It's not God's will for anybody to commit suicide. It's not God. It's Satan. It's darkness that pushes people to the wall. And because they don't know how to react back, he pushes them. He will push them to the wall. It's darkness. It's darkness. We fight back. We despair darkness with the word of God. We say no. We reject darkness. Amen? We don't stay in the value of discouragement. Things will get better. Do you know that at times, old forests get burnt. Old forests, they will get burnt and they will grow again. That's the power of God. And for anything to live, it will first of all go through the process of dying. I hope you know that. It is in dying that we resurrect. So for anything to resurrect, to blossom, it has to go through a process of dying. The seed that you put in the ground, first of all, dies before it begins to resurrect. So what you are going through, I mean, just be a process of dying to self. It's not the end of your life. You are just taking a turn. Don't put a full stop. Your God is putting a comma. Don't you? No. It's just taking you through a bend. It's not your end. You have to learn to speak to yourself. David spoke to himself many times over. He got to Ziglag. They are taking away his family. You know, burn their houses. He summoned courage again. Say, ah, ah. Because if he didn't summon courage, he will not be able to pursue the invaders. So for you to pursue, you have to be encouraged. You are encouraged in Jesus' name. You will not be despondent. I know you are going through a lot, but God is on the throne. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. I know you have been hard-pressed, but you will not be crushed. That problem will not crush you. In the mighty name of Jesus, God will always come through. He will always remember his own. Just keep on. Keep on the fight. Pray some more. Study the Bible some more. Get to a support system. Just do the right things. And you'll be surprised that God will help you. He will also help me in Jesus' mighty name. Since I now have dominion over us, because we are not under the law, we are under grace. The grace of God has come to help us do life. And that grace is enough. That's why we think His grace is sufficient. Doesn't matter what you are going through, His grace is enough. His grace can see you through. And His grace will see you through in Jesus' mighty name. And this little fox of envy, we will deal with it. We will mortify it. We will kill it and jettison it. The little fox of pride, we will jettison it. It's not in our nature, it's not our kingdom culture to be proud. Is not in our nature because our Father God is not proud. So we don't harbor it. We don't feel superior. We don't feel better. We are just privileged. And because we are privileged, that's why we just worship Him. And as you worship Him, He will give you more privileges. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.